right, great singing this morning. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of John and go to the 11th chapter. I'm going to read just a couple of verses for us this morning from John chapter 11. It's great to see everybody this morning. If you're visiting with us here for this early service, then we welcome you. But it's great to gather together on this really a beautiful morning. Uh, I don't think we could have a, a more beautiful morning outside, the beautiful sunrise this morning. If you were out just a little bit early during that time, um, you might have reflected back on when the uh, women went to the tomb early that morning. One gospel would say that it was uh, still dark before the sun had risen. Another one will tell us that the sun had risen. So it was right there at sunrise when the disciples, uh, when the women went to the tomb and found the stone rolled away from the tomb and the tomb empty, but angels there inviting them to come in and see that Christ had risen from the dead. Uh, so just a really ble- real blessing this morning with the weather outside, what we get to enjoy together. Um, John 11 uh, Verse 25 and 26, the word of the Lord says this. Are you hearing that, Tanner? I was like, is Malachi up here playing the piano and I don't see him over there? What is that? Okay. All right, now, John 11, 25, it says... Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? In verse 27, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for blessing us with this beautiful morning that really, God, as we look out and see the beauty of the morning, it declares your glory. Uh, But Lord, we see specifically in your word uh, the the glory of God manifested through the person of Jesus. And Lord, even in this account that we're reading about a little bit this morning and looking at, we're seeing that Jesus glorifies you that you receive glory through this and god that's it's just uh, amazing it's overwhelming that you allow us it's almost too good to be true lord that you allow us to be a part of what you are doing and what you have done through the gospel of jesus but father we just come this morning praising jesus christ your risen son because we know that he is the one who lives and was dead and behold he is alive forevermore And he has the keys of Hades and of death. And the Lord, he has defeated them. Through the gospel, your son has defeated death, abolished death, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. It's because of that we gathered this morning. Please bless us now as we look into your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, John chapter 11. I just want to share with you a quick message this morning in this early service um, entitled, Do You Believe This? Because what we come to here in John 11 is Jesus having an interaction with a lady named Martha. Her brother Lazarus had just died. He'd been dead now for four days and in the tomb for four days. And the Bible tells us early on in this chapter that Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. He had a very close relationship with them. It says about uh, them that he loved them. Jesus intentionally waited for four days before he went there to where Lazarus was there in Bethany and um, to see Martha and Mary. It was very intentional on his part. And he, he tells us tells his disciples this in verse 4 of chapter 11. He says, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So even though Lazarus died, the ultimate end of this was not that he would stay dead, but the ultimate end of this was that uh, Jesus Christ would be glorified, that God would be glorified through him in, in this event. I tell you, it makes me a little nervous having people sitting on this front row. You know, sometimes, you know, you know, I, I want to make sure I don't, I say it and I don't spray it, you know, um, with people up here on the front row. So that's a little nerve wracking. But thank you all for doing that. <clears throat> um, but anyways, uh, he, Jesus is very deliberate in what he is doing here. And you see there in verse 17, in the same chapter, it says, So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. So let's begin to work our way just kind of through this. You see in verse 18, Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined with the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Verse 20, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Uh, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. All right, She understood that Jesus had risen, raised people from the dead. Jesus had healed people already. And she understood quite clearly that, hey, Jesus, you could have done something about this. <clears throat> now in verse 22. Uh, she says, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. All right, now let's think through this just a little bit. Was Martha here expecting Jesus to raise her brother from the dead? It almost seems that way. However, as you continue to work through the passage, it's uh, highly unlikely that she was thinking that <clears throat> because if you go over to verse 39, uh, here Jesus goes to the tomb and asks for the stone to be taken away. And you notice Mar Martha's response in verse 39. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. And then in verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? All right, so... 
it's, it's highly unlikely that she was thinking, hey, Jesus, even now you can ask of God and he and you can raise my brother from the dead. It's probably that she was thinking, Jesus, even though you didn't uh, heal my brother, even though you didn't save him from death, Jesus, you can still ask God to do anything that you want. This has not diminished in my sight who you are. You are still the son of God who can do the will of God. But now let's go see what Jesus says in verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now notice how Martha interprets this. Verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So that brings us to our first point this morning. If you're taking notes, we see here the concept of resurrection. There is this concept of it that Martha had. There is this concept of it that Jesus himself has and that they are now beginning to deal with a little bit. Uh, Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. What she doesn't realize is that he's He's kind of saying to her, your brother will rise again, like here in just the next little while, he's going to rise again. But she heard it saying, oh, yes, Lord, I know. I know he's going to rise again in the last day at the end. So she had this idea of a resurrection. She would have made a very good Pharisee because, you know, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, whereas the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, which, you know, that explains why they were sad, you see. Uh, because they did, they did not believe in the resurrection, but the Pharisees um, uh, did. And we'll see that later on as well in the second message today. All right, so that's kind of what they're dealing with here. And now let's see what Jesus says in verse 25. In verse 25, we're going to see here the claims of Jesus. All right, that's our second point. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. All right, so let's take each of these verses a little bit at a time. The claims of Jesus. All right, so Jesus here is pointing to himself. Jesus is saying, I am. This is one of the seven I am statements that are found in the Gospel of John. It would have been quite offensive to some of the Jews at various times in Jesus' ministry because they would have been hearing him say that he is Yahweh, that he is God, that he is these things. Now, in this particular instance, he says, I am the resurrection. I am the one who overcomes death. And he says, I am the life. I am the one from which Life comes. I am the one that when a person is resurrected, I am the one who gives them life thereafter. I am the one. It is in me. And then Jesus goes on to say, He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. So in the second part of verse 25, he tells us the key here. He says that the person who believes in him, the person who trusts in him is the one that even though he may suffer physical death, he will live. 
And then he takes it a step further in verse 26 to a little bit explain this to us. Because he says in verse 26, And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks the question, do you believe this? We can glean something from verse 26. Folks, the only opportunity that you have to believe in Jesus is while you live. If you think that you're going to wait until after you die to try to get things straight, or if you think you're going to wait until the very end to get things straight, hey, that's not what Jesus is calling us to do. He says, today is the day of salvation. He says, he who lives and believes in me will never die. You might say, well... Well, how is it that they will never die, that I will never die? Have you ever read in the Bible, you know, where it talks about a Christian, they're asleep or they've fallen asleep? They've fallen asleep in the Lord. Well, the idea there is with our physical body, when we, when we die, we are, that, that body's being laid down. It is asleep, but there will come a day when soul and body will be reunited, we will be resurrected and glorified. All right, so it's just a temporal thing. Our soul and our spirit live with Christ, and there will come a day where body, soul, and spirit will be preserved completely at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was always pointing people not to others, but to himself. John Stott said this. He said, Without doubt, the most noteworthy feature of the teaching of Jesus was its quite extraordinary self-centeredness. He was, in fact, constantly talking about himself. Uh, True, he spoke much of the kingdom of God, but then added that he had come to inaugurate it. He also spoke about the fatherhood of God, but added that he was the father's son. In the great I am statements, which uh, John records in his gospel, Jesus claims, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And he even told a lady at a well, a Samaritan lady, no less, that he was the Messiah who was supposed to come into the world. But elsewhere, too, he put himself forward as the object of people's faith. He said, come to me and follow me, he kept saying, promising that if they did come, their burdens would be lifted and their thirst quenched. More dramatic still were his references to love. He knew and quoted the supreme Old Testament commandment to put God first and love him with all our being. But now... He asked his followers to give him their first love, adding that if they loved anybody, even their closest relatives, more than they loved him, they were not worthy of him. The prominence of the personal pronoun, I, 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 me, 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 is very disturbing especially in one who declared humility to be the preeminent virtue. It also sets Jesus apart from all the other religious leaders of the world. They effaced themselves pointing pointing away from themselves to the truth that they taught. Jesus, however, advanced himself, offering himself to his disciples as the object of their faith, love, 
and obedience. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And you know, there's a reason Jesus could point people to himself. It's because he was the real deal. He was the one. He was and is the resurrection and the life. And not only did he prove that on the day that he rose again from the dead, but he's about to prove it right here in this passage of Scripture where he raises Lazarus from the dead, going to that tomb and calling out, Lazarus, there in verse 43, Lazarus, come forth. And you see in verse 44, it says, And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. That brings us to our third point this morning, and that is this confession of salvation. Now, when I say this, that doesn't mean that I'm saying that Martha here gets saved uh, in this particular passage. All I mean is that the words that she say that she says here are good enough to get a person saved. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Maybe y'all don't like that sort of language. Maybe the words that are found here are good enough to show that a person has been saved. However you want to put it, I don't care. But these words are legit right here in verse 37. She said to him, you know, Martha may not know all about this resurrection and life stuff, but it's kind of like she's saying, Lord, there's, there's one thing I do know. I know that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Verse 27, again, she said to him, yes, Lord. After Jesus asked that question, do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. You are the Son of God, the Son of the Father. You are the same essence of God. You and God are the same. And you are the one who is to come into the world. You are the promised son of David. You are the prophet like Moses. You are the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head. You are the desire of the nations of Haggai. You are the son of man, Daniel Saul, coming on the clouds. She says, I believe. Yes, Lord, I believe. That was the answer to the question. With everything she understood about Jesus, she understood this for sure, that He was the Christ, the Son of God. I said earlier that that's good enough to get you saved. And it's good enough to show that you are saved. John, 1 John 4, 2. If you're taking notes, you could write that reference down. 1 John 4, 2. By this you know the Spirit of God Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. First John 4.15 Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. First John 5.1 Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 1 John 5, 5. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, in conclusion today, 
Do you understand who he is? Do you believe it? Do you believe what is written here in John eleven twenty five and 26, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that whoever believes in him, though he may die, he shall live, and whoever lives and believes in him shall never die? Do you believe who he is? But I would also ask you this. Do you understand what you gain from believing in who he is? It is. It's the best news in the world. That sinners like us, even all dressed up on Easter Sunday morning. We need a savior. And Jesus Christ died to save sinners, and he proved he can save us, and that he has saved us, because he rose again from the dead, and he lives forevermore. How could a person who doesn't have life give life to anybody else? Jesus has life, and he has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he gives that life to anyone who believes in him. You see, you can't kill the resurrection. And you can't kill the life. Jesus went to the cross. He died being killed at the hands of sinful men. But no one took his life from him. You can't kill the resurrection and the life. He laid his life down. And just like he laid his life down, he took it up again on the third day when he rose again. That's why Acts 2.24 says, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. What impossible? You can't kill the resurrection and you can't kill the life. But Christian, today, this is why death can't kill you. It's because of Jesus and faith in him. So that we don't have to fear death anymore. Because Christ has conquered it. Not only has he conquered it. He is the possessor of the resurrection. He is the possessor of life. And through faith in him. We are joined to him. And we have the resurrection. And we have the life. That he promises. That's why Colossians 3. 3-4 through would say. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So, I'll just ask you this morning, do you believe this? Because this is the written Word of God. This is the truth and the testimony of God. And the only hope that any of us have for eternal life, eternal life, resurrection life one day, is because of Jesus. And every person can have it through believing. Do you? Let's pray. Lord, what good news this is. Thank you so much, Father, for um, blessing us, blessing this world, and for sending your Son to die for sinners. Father, that's us. We have nothing in our hand that we bring that makes us worthy. 
We have nothing about us, God, that would merit your salvation and your resurrection and your life one day. But Lord, through Jesus, he is our only hope. He is the resurrection and the life. And I thank you that by faith we can be joined to your son. I praise you, Lord. You are good. Your testimony is true. And we love it. In Christ's name, amen.